0: Radio Western.
1: Guess what time of year it is, Brian?
0: Oh, it's my favorite time of the year. Election time. Oh yeah, back to school too. Sorry, I was was trying to make a joke there, trying to be a little sarcastic like I often am, and people who know me personally would know that about me. Um, But yes, it is back to school, so we should, great way to start it. We should say hello to any students who have just arrived here in London. There's many. It's crazy how you know it's pretty dead here in the summer in some ways. And then by fall, it just, you know, thousands of students coming into the city. So it's interesting. And hopefully if we have any new listeners here to Outlook, thanks so much for tuning in today. We're available as a podcast as well as on Radio Western every Monday morning at 11.
1: Yeah. And actually your answer was correct. <laughs> it is election, federal Canadian election time 2021. Um, we're going to get into it today. More than we have before, because Brian and I didn't grow up loving politics or anything. So it took us until we were in our 30s to care much, to realize, really see why it's important and why it matters uh, to be involved. And so, yeah, today we wanted to talk about it because the election, as we've said in the last few episodes, I think, is that it's on September 20th. So it's coming up. So we want to air this. So we're recording this, actually, Brian, on the 9th, and it'll air the, exactly one week before our election.
0: Right, so it'll air, this'll be airing, um, if you're catching this on Radio Western, it'll be airing on Monday, September the 13th, and will be available as a podcast after, which we'll definitely post on online and and, uh, share around. And then, yeah, that's exactly a week before the election, so we'll we'll get the podcast up as soon as possible if you're catching this on the radio. You can find the podcast, Outlook, on Radio Western. Just search on all podcast services.
1: But yeah, um, I think we'll just get into it because like we say, there hopefully there may be some students listening out there and um, we're going to talk about what matters to students because we have one here today as a guest and what matters to um, us and a bit about what we look for um, when we're looking for the parties to acknowledge disability issues, but we will talk about a lot of stuff this hour. So Brian... Uh, do you want to start maybe about how you met our guest and introduce?
0: Yeah, so actually, back in 2020, feels like ages ago now, in, in some way, but back in June of 2020, I spoke actually to our guest's class. He was taking a music technology class at W. Ross McDonald School. That is the School for the Blind here in Ontario in Brantford. And so yeah, I was asked to speak uh, for this music technology class about my experiences Um, In Well, my passion for music throughout my life, but specifically my experiences at Fanshawe College here in London and the music industry arts course that I I studied and uh, graduated here four years ago already back in in 2017. So I was, you know, I'm always happy to share that info. And I think with with disabilities and blindness, we're really trying to share information and, and all network together. We talk about that all the time on this show about how important networking is. So I just think those opportunities are so great. And I was just overjoyed to be able to, to speak to the, uh, to the class, um, which featured our guest today. And this is how I met Owen Parkin. So Owen, thanks so much for coming on Outlook today. We really appreciate having you here.
2: I'm glad to be here.
0: What do you, do you remember, you remember that, uh, that, that talk I gave back in June uh, of, of 2020? Any Anything oh, you remember course. from that or any thoughts? Or I, th- I think it was great that we connected, I think. During that during that um, that talk, I said specifically I'm on Facebook, and I think you added me right away. So that's how I kind of I added you about
2: three minutes after you said it, maybe. But if I remember correctly, you were talking about audio editing at post secondary, what you guys use, how it works. We got a little bit into sound design and different different uh, DAWs, but it, it was mainly just how how the post secondary uh, audio courses work. I think from what I can remember.
1: Good old DAW. I'm just, I just learned about that recently, that term.
0: Yeah. The good old di- digital audio workstation. But yeah, no, that was, that was great, and, and I hope that I hope that, that d- discussion ta- or helped that day somewhat or gave you some sort of information. It's, it's always an interesting position to put myself in. I'm never, you know, I've never been a teacher or anything specifically. I guess I did teach a friend guitar a little bit growing up, but um, no professional teaching. So it was a, it was a good experience and uh, met you out of it, so I think that's great, and been following you on Facebook ever since, and the reason I thought to ask you on this show specifically for this episode was based on all of the posting you do about political issues and just all of these things that, for me, just all feel so poignant and important, and I tend to agree with a lot of the things that you, you've been posting, so I just, um, maybe we should have had someone that differed a little bit more in their, in their thought processes for this discussion, but we're not really looking to have a, debate, <laughs> a bit debate here or anything like that. More of just a discussion on politics, accessibility for voting for blind people and just the parties in general in this, this, this election and just the history of our experiences with politics as well. But I think maybe a good way to start off, Owen, would be if you want to take a couple minutes just to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You can, you can cover whatever you want. I know, I believe that you've just started college or maybe you were going last year, so maybe speak a little bit about that. Just a little bit about where you're from. And uh, yeah, whatever else you think is important for our listeners to know.
2: Yeah, for sure. So my name is Owen Parkin. I'm a 19-year-old uh, student in my first year, of my honors bachelor of arts in political science, pre-law at Lakehead University. Oh, nice. Lakehead! I've yes, I'm at Lakehead.
0: Pretty Ooh. far uh, up north, isn't Lakehead?
2: Up in Thunder Bay.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a great um, radio station. Uh, college station, I think from Thunder Bay. I think it's.
2: Yes, there is. is LU radio. Yeah.
0: LU radio. Absolutely. There's a, there's one show on that, on that station. <laughs> I, I absolutely love, um, on Thursday nights at 10 PM and Saturday afternoons at two. So it's a, it's a great station. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. Some free promo time. Here. Yeah, there you go. It's a little bit of free promo. Um, and then a little bit before that. So you, so you grew up whereabouts and you went to W Ross McDonald school. Did you go there for your, your entire schooling?
2: Well, yeah, I moved. Well, most of it. I moved around quite a bit. I was born, of course, up in Dryden, Ontario, which is a small city about three and a half hours west of Thunder Bay, probably about if for people who are not sure where that is, it's two and a half, three hours from the Manitoba border going east, I'd say. And then I moved to Brantford. When I was, oh man, I've got to remember, 2009. So I would have been seven. I moved to Southern Ontario. So I could go to school at W. Ross as a day student. And then we recently just moved back up here to Dryden in the middle of summer last year. So a COVID move. And I've been involved in politics for the past, oh man, five, five years now, I would say, about. I'm going to get my biases out of the way here, I guess, right now. I'm a member of the Liberal Party of Canada. I've worked on several election campaigns, the 2019 campaign. I'm working on my home riding of Kenora's 2021 campaign right now. And I've just always been very interested in politics and government. And I've wanted to be able to have an impact on on government and have a direct impact on The issues that are facing Canadians today. That's why I'm going for political science. My eventual goal is to run for a federal or provincial parliament after law school and practicing the law for a few years.
1: Did you grow up, uh, like, to give us an idea of how you arrived here at the school you're at and taking what you're taking and and what you want to go into, um, what kind of resources did you most take advantage of to help you learn over the years with um as far as accessibility and and accommodations to get you do you think to the, the successful place you were you're at here now well I think I can credit a lot of that probably almost all of it actually to
2: W Ross accessibility and accommodations wise especially towards the end of high school I went to a lot of different universities learned a lot about different accessibility departments, different programs, and political science was always a program I wanted to take for probably since the beginning of high school for me, I would say. So I, our school took us to several different universities. Lakehead actually wasn't one of them, but it's always one I've had in mind because uh, small class sizes, um, it's in the north, which I I like living up here. I like hunting. I like fishing. I've got lots of family up here, oh. and oh, it's wow. it's a great school. See, that's
0: that's great. that's all such great information, and I just I gotta say, and again, I don't <laughs> I don't love sitting there and you know because I'm not the best when people try and say like compliment me on on certain things. It's it's one of those things that I don't know. I'm just kind of a modest person, but um, I just want to say that how inspiring it actually it really is to to meet someone like you and have you on this show because again and i I think it's silly to compare because we all have different paths in life, we all have different experiences, but you know when I was nineteen, I didn't even understand any like I don't even think i i gotta say i don't I don't think I even voted until I was you know twenty twenty seven or something I don't know like i just so when i when I meet someone like you who's young and seems so interested and has this passion for for government and politics and the fact that I'm sure our listeners would already assume based on what we've said, but you are, you're blind and maybe a little bit of an explanation about your, your condition or anything you want to say about that. But I just think that it's so great because we're going to talk here about how to, how to change the, the stigmas and all of this stuff regarding disabilities and all this stuff that, that goes on out there. And I've kind of, you know, decided that or came up with the solution that the real way we can really make change, sure we can educate we can do all this but to get more involved in government and the fact that that you are blind or visually impaired or however you prefer to be identified the fact that you are getting into it we just we need more people with disabilities in provincial and federal positions we need we need that involvement because that's the only way i think things are, are truly going to going to change
2: yeah and i i completely forgot to say that i was blind i apologize for that see i
0: think that's also great because <laughs> we're, we're our, our, right, our, you went to W. Ross, we, yeah. you it's know, a clue. Um, but, but I think not, what already. we're trying to really put forward on this show is that blindness really, in in our opinion anyway, is just a characteristic. It's, it's one of many things that we are as people. And sometimes we yeah. get grouped together. I think, you know, some people might not meet any blind people or if they meet one, they sort of make those assumptions that all blind people are kind of similar or there might be a similarity when, you know, if you really think logically about it, we're a cross section of society. We're anything. We're all sorts of just like any other person could be. So um I just I don't like to focus on the blindness straight out the out of the gate, being like, oh this, you know, our guest is blind and this and that. I like it to sort of come up organically. Um but yeah, I think that's uh just wanted to comment on that.
2: Oh yeah, no, I'm totally blind. I have a condition called Nori's disease or Nori disease, no s on the end. It's a, a genetic condition. Funnily enough, no one in my family had it before I was born, which is extremely rare but it happens.
0: Yeah, there's so many, so many diagnoses out there. And, you know, I think our listeners by now probably realize just the amount of different conditions, like nobody knows of them all. Like my sister and I have a, you know, we have, we're diagnosed with Liebers originally, but then we were later diagnosed with the senior Loken syndrome, which is a very, very rare genetic disorder. So just, just to give our listeners a bit of an idea of, uh, of the variety of causes and conditions and all that stuff out there um, is what we like to do.
1: So then, how would you say you got interested in politics? Do you even know? Like sometimes we can't really um, pinpoint the things that we love or that choose us. Almost, you know, I I can't one hundred percent pinpoint it. I
2: I wouldn't say my family's overly political. My friends weren't overly political growing up. I mean, I've found my political group now, but it's just something over the years. From I think it actually might have had to do with me being big into the radio when i was young listening to lots of cbc uh local election coverage kind of always intrigued me uh just even from our local station when i was younger i i was a radio nerd and i still am although the hobbies evolve now for sure but i think that probably has something to do with it and then just exploring the internet um i remember the gian gameshi that whole case Probably was the first one that I really followed closely that really intrigued me because he was, before those allegations came out, he was like one of the best interviewers in Canada. And his career, I mean, rightfully, was just completely derailed after that. And I think that intrigued me. I was, I followed that case rather closely and I don't know if that was what got me into politics necessarily. Necessarily, I don't think so. But it was just the first memory I have of really following a current event story and being interested in it. And ever since, I have I've been interested in everything that goes on in the current events, uh, politics, news.
0: Yeah, arena. I think I think it's interesting that you bring up that that specific case because Carrie. An anniversary is coming up for this this tragic event that happened. And Carrie, I think you said that was the first event that really got you thinking a little bit more about government back in 2001. We're coming up here on the, on the 20th anniversary.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I, when
0: this is airing, it, it it would have been a couple of days ago. Um, back yeah, well,
1: that but we still want to um, pay our respects at 20 year mark. It's just it's interesting to hear everybody and where they were, but Oh, and you weren't even alive then. No, I was not. I will quickly say about nine eleven. Yeah, but did it have any impact on you then? Do you think, or do you think it's hearing something from before you were born? It's hard to. I would say for sure, reading about it. Um, I, yeah, reading about it, listening to
2: clips of news programs and some of the recordings even that have popped up online over the years. I would say mm-hmm. was. I don't know exactly how to describe it. Just thinking that something like that could happen, I guess. Yeah. And in two thousand one, when it was so much more documented, because stuff like that's happened to a much lesser extent before. I mean, there's the world wars too. But like thinking that something like that can happen pretty close to home, yeah, I'd say that had some level of an impact, and it was something for quite a few years that I was quite interested in researching, and I researched pretty extensively, a few years mm. back, I would say.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, for sure, there were Canadians who were, who were involved in that oh, also. Yeah. And so we had people that that Canadians mourned here too. But, yeah, f- obviously for me it was, I was like, it was the biggest, the, the, the first big world event that, yeah, f- was very close to home. And it um, it was the first thing that, yeah, really shook me. And I was just, you know, I was a teenager and I was still trying to understand a lot of things. And I still am. But uh, I think it's all related. And then obviously we saw right away there was a bunch of, well, let's go get those, you know. Yeah. uh, The the fallout, the political fallout from that. Yeah, that's what I'm. I would say that
2: that now is something I'm really interested in, especially with the whole issue surrounding the U.S.'s pulling out of Afghanistan and the Taliban taking over, which, of course, is mm -hmm. just turned into a disaster now down there. That that definitely intrigued me. The U.S.'s uh, war on terror, I guess we could call it, uh, that yeah. unfortunately cost many hundreds of thousands of lives down there. All for what now? I mean, after they got bin Laden, they just kept finding excuses to stay in mm. that region. Excuses that really didn't make much it just seemed like nation building, which I personally don't agree with. I'm very non-interventionist when it comes to foreign policy.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm a very uh, passive as far as uh, I'm a pacifist. I don't believe in war. I, uh, maybe I got that from my ancestors. I had some who who were Mennonite and didn't believe in fighting. I'm not Mennonite, but uh, I really just I wish mankind. Now I say mankind. It, a lot of times it is men running these wars and things, but not strictly. Um, I just, I know we're never going to get together, but these things do bleed together, right? Like we jumped on the bandwagon. Canada had people yeah. fighting there, even a few people, um, family of family, you know, were over there and then had some tragedy there. And so, but it still felt very distant, even for us who grew up with nine eleven in our memories. And it's hard, I guess, Canada, you start, I mean, we've been out of there for a while now, but you you still... I may have paid attention to September 11th, but I didn't understand a lot of what happened after and I just, you know, life goes on. Yeah. But um but yeah, we got to understand our history and our past to understand what's going on and and whether it's economic or or governments or public health or whatever we're dealing with once in a, you know, once in a lifetime generational things.
0: Yeah, and I was, you know, I was 3 years younger than Carrie, so I was 14 when that happened and it's, it's, I still remember being in the in the cafeteria at at the high school I, I was at um, in Woodstock Ontario, and they used to have assemblies there sometimes in the cafeteria. I remember sitting there, and I think there was a mention of it. And then in French class that afternoon, I remember more people talking about it. But I was just so young. I do remember, like I know fourteen's not super young, but it's still young enough. And I just I don't quite remember. I remember coming home and it being on the TV, but it didn't really sink in and, until I you know got a bit older and really. Th- thought about it and like you say oh and specifically the how political and the reaction after the event is what I can sort of connect with a bit more just trying to think about how politics how that changed political views and how everything was so affected by this whereas for me I, I think at the time still I was like even though you know New York is so close to where we are I think I was kind of just like well it's not my country and I, I don't even I was never like a first a, a kid who didn't care but I think I was also just preoccupied and I don't know we're all at different spots yeah but.
2: and I would say it's something we're still feeling the effects of now I'd say the rise of Islamophobia has a lot to do with nine eleven. unfortunately
0: absolutely I'd say that, you know three months ago we just passed the anniversary of the, the the truck accident here in London declared as an act of terrorism and yeah uh, that that whole situation and again I don't know How much that's come up during this federal election but it's it's just one of those things that yeah it's like you say and i think sometimes when these things happen in the moment a lot of people are more in shock and it's the same with this pandemic i'll compare it to that where i think as it's happening sometimes it's people it's easy to sort of come to come to judgments and and assumptions and all this when really it's like the after effects haven't even started because we're not even through so you really see those things more after the actual big event happens compared to while it's happening so yeah i think that ties in a little bit yeah.
1: yeah but whether it's international issues it doesn't matter right like it still affects us here nationally and 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 then provincially and it you know it goes all the way down from top to
2: Mom. bottom yeah especially if we're allies with one of the countries involved because then ally ships kind of all come together countries team up they send all their forces out to defend each other, or to defend each other's interests, or create their own interests in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it I mean, all kind of ties together. Like, would we would we be here with Afghanistan if it weren't for nine eleven? Would we be here for? Would we be dealing with the fallout from the U.S. withdrawal twenty years later? I don't. I don't know.
1: Yeah, can't really rewrite these things.
0: For sure, it's it's happened, and it's it, that's why. I, Again, this is getting more into my political sort of feelings, but I just, I I really struggle with this. I I know a lot of people will say like, oh, they're investing all this money in other countries and, and aren't, uh you know, there's so many things they could be doing here. And, well, I understand, like, I don't fully agree with, you know, intervening in other countries' um, situations because I feel like, like it's sort of, there's no end really and it just creates more issues. But at the same point, I also know that we all are in this world together and sure we're in these countries, but, and there's borders or whatever, but we're still, we still do have to work together with these other countries. And like you say, being allies with some, and we have to fit in with the world. So we do have to spend money in other, for other countries too, to some degree. And I just think sometimes people are very individualistic or, you know, not seeing this, the, the fuller effect of something and kind of looking at it from a, from a self um, experience rather than looking at the, the greater experiences of, of the world. So It's uh, a tough, tough subject, but it's.
1: So what did it mean for you? Kind of switching gears a little bit here for a second. What did it mean for you the first time you could vote? Because it sounds like you were involved, obviously, from before you were able to vote. What did it mean to you to vote? And what was your what was your experience like?
2: I've got a good story about this. The first time I could vote was about, man, probably two weeks ago. And I had called Elections Canada about getting an accessible mail-in ballot. Yes. And I I told you this story very, very briefly, uh, Brian, over Messenger, but I went through about 7,000 different people on the phone, probably 10 different phone lines. Obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but (laughs) one person told me, oh, we don't do accessible mail-in ballots. I was like, that's not an acceptable answer. <laughs> so after going back and forth like that with her for about a minute, I gave up and hung up and then just called back and got a different person. And they, they were trying. Most of them were trying to help. They really were. They sent me through about five different phone lines, about seven different offices, probably in two different provinces. And eventually I got talking to our local office here in Dryden and we went back and forth for a little bit, trying to figure out what to do. And eventually we just agreed to be easier if I came in to the Dryden Elections Canada office, which was actually just opening up the next day and filled out a special ballot and had someone write in the name for me. But at that point, I just wanted to get it done because this was something I'd been looking forward to for years. Being able to vote was something that was super exciting to me. I'd finally be able to have an impact on who got in in Ottawa. I was very disappointed in 2019 and the election came just under three months before my 19th birthday. And to go through this whole fiasco with Elections Canada, and I intend to keep on them about this because this is—it's unacceptable that you can't vote the way you want uh, because you're blind. Yep, drives drives me insane. But yes. at that point, I just wanted to get it over with. I did not want to have to deal with someone else doing it at Lakehead. I I wasn't even sure if it would get there in time just because of the whole having to get an accessible ballot thing. So I just did it. Someone went in and wrote the candidate's name for me at the local office in Dryden, but Mm. definitely showed vulnerabilities in the system. I'm actually shocked. This has never come up before.
1: It, well, it has, but the thing is, is just that people like Brian, you went to um, one of the virtual events the other day, put on by the CNIB where they were talking about, voting and accessible voting and what can they do haven't they been working on this for years too it's like what can anybody do i don't
0: it always feels like you get the same and the cnib thing i was on yeah i mean it just there was nothing helpful about it it pretty much and again maybe for some people who have no idea this was a start but it, it just seems like the same thing every time where it's like oh yeah they have these ballots but then people in the chat are already saying like the ballots that they have they're they line up with there's a braille list of candidates names just for our listeners that lines up with this other ballot that it fits under to line it up with the print ballot so that you can fill in a little circle or a little check spot beside the candidate you want, but it's still very clunky and you still are filling out a print ballot essentially. And yeah, you can get someone else to do it, but then you're putting your trust in that person. And I don't know. I just feel like when you go on the CNIB thing, it's, it's like, well, yeah, there's nothing we can do call elections Canada, but you know, we call elections Canada and you just heard, a very accurate story of of the way things are for for dis- people with disabilities and blindness in specific um And if case.
2: if I can jump in here for a second is that not the CNIB's job to be advocates? Like this is
0: I know that's See that's where I get confused where it's like I get it that there's all these bureaucratic things in in place and you have to go through this through that but why isn't the CNIB calling elections Canada? How come they're not talking to them? Why are why are we if, if they're currently, the government gives the CNIB money to, quote unquote, take care of the blind and where, you know, I think the government should have a little bit more involvement than that, but um that you're yeah. there in a sense. But um I just think, yeah, it's it's still this lazy sort of approach and nothing changes. And I think ultimately it comes down to what you just did there, Owen, on the phone. But, you know, hundreds of blind people need to be doing that across Canada. And it sucks because it is a lot of work. And eventually... It's the way I've been feeling with advocacy in general these last few months. It's exhausting. Yeah. And eventually you're just like, and it's not the way to go, but eventually you just settle for what there is because you want exactly. to vote, you want to get it done and you want to move on with, with your life. So. And
2: I think we could probably have a whole episode about the CNIB's mandate and where it's going. Like this could be a whole other discussion. I've got yeah, we lots will. of, lots of issues personally,
1: just with how they do things and, but that's How the thing. You, if your advocacy an, works, I think and, if you're an educated person who really is studying, like you seem to be, and stuff, like I just think that you're just not gonna you're 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 gonna see through a lot of it, and a lot of people just uh-huh. don't. A lot it, of people don't know m- enough to really it understand almost, that they're not they don't speak for us anymore. Really, it, it doesn't feel like it. It hasn't they, felt like they it really for you. don't. They really don't. Yeah,
0: it does. It seems like more and more blind canadians I, I speak to and of course there's there's always exceptions there's there's some people um, in particular out east i've seen on facebook who say they love the cnib but again i think it's depending where you are in your life and where you're at i think i've heard that they're they're not bad with people who have lost sight like quite a bit later or are old, like older cuz yeah. generally that's the population that is more more likely to be blind right is the seniors and stuff like that but yeah this 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 event the other day almost just felt like something for newbies who had never heard anything about an election or how to I don't know it just felt so basic and like you say when I when I brought up that thing in the chat about the the accessibility and that it's just we're in 2021 and voting still isn't accessible for blind people without some sighted help and I'm just thinking if that was the case for any other group you know people would be talking about it more so that brings up a whole other issue about blindness and why does it seem like it's also Canadian in the culture but this passive sort of thing that I notice more and more, but um, so many points. But uh, for anyone who's just tuned in, you're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western, or you may be listening as a podcast. And we're speaking with Owen Parkin, talking about politics today and the upcoming federal election, which we will actually get into hopefully a little bit more in the second (laughs) half. But we are gonna take a quick break right now for some promos and we'll be right back with more Outlook.
1: Accessible voting is lacking around the country. Countries are to ensure equal participation in political and public life, including the right to vote, to stand for elections, and to hold office. Article 29. So that, welcome back everybody to Outlook on Radio Western this morning, or as a podcast. That was uh, one of the articles from the CRPD, which is the Charter for for the rights of persons with disabilities. Uh, It's it's through the United Nations. And we were talking before the break about accessible voting, and we're going to move on, and that's why I wanted to bring in the CRPD into this because apparently Canada ratified it in 2010, but I guess you can still enforce these things and they're not being enforced because if they were, that line right there, which is in CRPD... Is basically saying Canadians who are blind deserve to have access to voting that doesn't require us sure. asking other people to mark the ballot for us and and make a a mark that we're not able to see what they're doing. So, so that's exactly why I wanted to read that one. Uh, now I've just been starting to read them more as a as a law student. I'm sure you'll learn more. How much do you know about CRPD and very and you, little? Okay. And just for our
0: listeners, we're speaking with Owen Parkin here today on Outlook.
1: Yeah, Brian, found yeah, you. And I,
2: I mean. I think, though, I can provide a little bit of insight into why yep. we haven't enforced it, and it's because it's, it's a U.N. declaration, right? We sign right. on to a whole bunch of U.N. declarations. I can name a lot of things we are violating. Uh, well, I can uh-huh. name a few, not a lot of things. But uh, there's one U.N. declaration that says that nations should work towards universal post-secondary education. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So... I think international law has its limits and there's accountability a lot of things. So I, I I really don't know how much we can, as much as I think it's valid to push it. I I don't know how much we can.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things. I mean, I'd never really even heard of this until Carrie brought it up uh, recently. And the fact that like you say, and Carrie that, it's all laid out in there. It sounds like so well and so clearly how things should be, but everything is just such a large scale and there's so much going on that it's just, how does any of this stuff really change? And it all sounds great the way it's worded, but it's not actually necessarily like you say, we're not how much power do we really have or, or energy or how much is actually being put into, into this type of thing. So it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate.
1: Um, so how about then the, it just that this show outlook, our main you know, we say in our theme we're inspired by the CFB and whatever. Our main theme is you know, in our own words and, and human rights. That's just where I want to take it back to. But let's ask you, Owen, what things in the platform of the Liberals or you know, as a as a liberal party, or this year specifically, um, draw you to them? And have you had any other thoughts obviously you've taken a look at the platforms for the other parties what do you think comparatively where we're what position we're in right now Uh, like as it relates to people with disabilities well parties well you can start with yourself but then yeah you can get into like I I don't know like what issues are most important for you as far as what the liberals have as, as part of their mandate and stuff does it is the main issues that for you are they related to disability? I mean, everything kind of is, or like we all want Canada to succeed. For yeah, example. I mean, we're so, not. This episode, the environment is, and
0: disability is a, is the focus in in many ways, but we're also like we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, we're a cross section of everything. So any topic, it doesn't have to be specific about the disability. If that wasn't something that stood out or became well, a, a main focus, so yeah. yeah, just any anything really. Just well, disability is one specific, but
2: I will I will jump into disability in a moment. A big issue for me has been universal basic income which was something that was voted on it was the number two resolution at the most recent liberal policy convention it still hasn't been implemented i have hope i have hope that it will i think eventually it will the demand in the party is just too great for it not to be but i like the liberals policies on housing to uh, ban foreign ownership for two years i like that they are going to introduce a house flipping tax. I like that there will be a renter's bill of rights. We need to cool the housing market. I think all these things will at least help with that. I like that they are doing $10 a day daycare across the country. Unfortunately, not all provinces are signing on. And with our current administration here in Ontario with uh, Premier Ford, I don't see it happening anytime soon. We'll see where we are next year at this time. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's getting in a, for another term, but I'm not going to get into that because, again, I could be here for yeah. an hour about that. Yeah, that's provincial. <laughs> Let's stick with federal for the moment. Yeah,
0: there's so much, right? Um, I think it's really great, though, that you that you bring up the u- universal income because that's another show that we want to have eventually. It's one of those situations, again, where I think I need to do a bit more research on it. And I think you, again, would be probably a good guest to have on that one someday because it's something I strongly believe in as well. And that's something I see on the on the liberal platform that does inspire me because it's something I care about. And, you know, the NDP as well, um, Well, unfortunately doesn't really look like they'll have a chance right now. But um, anyway, it's just, it's something that I believe in too. And I think it's something that definitely needs to be discussed more. And so I, I just, I'm really glad that you brought that one up.
2: And it is something that, the NDP and Greens. The Greens have been campaigning on it for years, but right. you know how their influence is in Parliament. Yeah, the NDP has just recently introduced it. Um, they're more about a guaranteed livable income. They're not. They're not the same thing. Okay. Uh, Universal is like everybody gets this certain amount, and there might be a sliding scale as your income increases. Guaranteed livable income ensures everybody has. Uh, everybody has an income that allows them to survive. I prefer UBI. I'm fine with either. But as it relates to disability, I think we've actually made quite a bit of progress. All three major parties have policies based on income supports for people with disabilities or expanding access to programs. The Liberals are going to create a Canada disability benefit if elected which will be a monthly payment for low-income Canadians with disabilities between the ages of 18 and 64. The Conservatives are saying they'll double the disability supplement and the Canada Workers' Benefit from $713 to $1,500 and make it easier to qualify for the DTC, Disability Tax Credit, and the RDSP, Registered Disability Savings Plan. And the NDP... Uh, says they're going to increase the minimum wage from $15 to $20, which I think would actually have a huge in- impact on people with disabilities, and introduce a new disability benefit on top of that. So I think we've made substantial progress in all three parties from next to nothing being mentioned in the 2019 campaign about it. Now it's on all three of the major parties' platforms.
0: Yeah, that was that's a, such a great summary there. So thanks so much for that. And I I think, yeah, we were talking before that. I, I believe I read that it wasn't mentioned really at all in the last federal election here. So it's, it's one of those things, right, that's, it. it is great to see. And I just think, too, with, with all of these movements, with, with Black Lives Matter and all of these important movements that have been happening, I do think it is becoming more and more talked about. So I, I just it is a good sign, at least, that, like you say, they are mentioning this and they have specific um, things in their platforms that are addressing disability. So that is awesome.
1: I was just going to ask you this question earlier and didn't get to it yet. The The Pan-Canadian Disability Coalition had a federal debate Tuesday night, just the other night, and they sent MPs from all the parties. And it was the first time, I guess, they'd had this. Were you in attendance? Did you know about it? I knew about it. I
2: couldn't make it, unfortunately. I was busy. Uh, you went, though. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, who who ended up going? I'm kind of curious myself because they didn't publish any information about who was coming beforehand, which bothered me. True. Um, I remember before
0: I was looking for the candidates that were going to be there, and there was there was no mention of them. So that was yeah. a little bit unfortunate. Um, I do think it is yeah. amazing that they that they did this because yeah, we we always talk about how we're just we're oh, yeah. not thought about, we're not talked about during these elections, and um unfortunately they had to i mean it's still great that they did it but they had to set it up themselves there was no it wasn't like a, a government suggesting this it was this organization um who was there so that's yeah. another question care do you know they said there's 20 25 disability organizations in attendance including this one called casda i'm not i think that might be an autism one so i'm not actually sure was there a list of the the uh the 25 no I-
1: I don't know all the ones that they say the disability groups that they work with. Um I didn't even I was running around and eating and things. I should have written down the candidates names, but for some reason, yeah, they're not so easy to to, to locate. I all I know is Carla Qualtro was the liberal um representative there. Uh and she got the brunt of it because when your party's been the one in part in, in um in the government there for 6 years, people have their beefs for sure and the pandemic doesn't help. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so no one from the PPC party was there.
0: Um but Well,
1: everyone. that's to be expected. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was reading a bit about well, them in the platform comparisons and stuff today and uh, I would I'd rather kind of not get into that too much on this episode I think it'll just They
1: they had someone for I watched a um one of the ridings near Brian, not his riding. Yeah, there
0: was London um London West riding, there was a debate. Yeah. Uh, Yesterday, the other ridings are coming up actually this week. If you're catching this on the Monday, the 13th, Um, they're coming up the next uh, few days. Um, London Fanshawe riding is on Tuesday, and London North is Wednesday, and Elgin Middlesex is coming up on Thursday. So definitely checking those out. And yeah, I did catch actually the debate this morning. I didn't catch it live, but I caught the one... Which isn't in my riding, but still close enough by that I wanted to kind of see what was going on and yeah, yeah, Carrie, that I did hear yeah. this the 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 person because they did actually have someone there from the the p p c well for
1: the for this yeah for this one here in in this riding in london they the conservative candidate candidate didn't show up, and he he said he had a family emergency, and of course people in comments didn't believe it, but you know, I'm not gonna to judge I'm not there, but so yeah, then we got I got to hear for the first time. I mean, I just haven't really paid a lot of attention to what the actual um, guy at the top believes on that party, but yeah, we focus. So it was interesting, right? Because the conservative um, who was representing there, he's from Alberta, and he was talking a lot about his his child who's on the autism spectrum.
0: Right, you're you're back on the um, not the debate from from London yeah, uh, <laughs> West, but from the disability one. I'm talking night.
1: about the disability debate. Yeah. Right, yeah, no, it's a lot because I'm trying to follow it and learn how this stuff works, and uh, you know, you can start to forget which candidate was which <laughs> debate. And,
0: well, I've just um, subscribed to the Canada Votes Daily newsletter from CBC, so I'll be getting that in my mail every morning, so I can really try and start to buckle down and follow this stuff more and more. And it's, it's, I think a question that I wanted to actually quickly. Well, first, just quick mention of that the P- People's Party of Canada from the London um, one. <laughs> Uh, which would have happened last week if you're catching this um, when this is released. Oh man, oh man! But Carrie, you you heard it too, and so yeah, the the venue here in London, the Aeolian Hall, um, has a has a has a you know you have to prove vaccination to get in there, and this guy wasn't oh, no. vaccinated oh. and caused a whole scene. You know, the police were called and all this stuff, and they were just asking him like, how does this help small businesses? You know, you're arguing arguing that you know the these mandates aren't Good for small businesses, but you're bringing all this attention. I don't know. The whole thing, I don't want to get too into it because it really got me worked up. But it just seemed like it just seemed very childlike or very, I don't know, just there was no solutions really for anything. It was like, ah, we'll just react to things. We won't be proactive. And I don't know. It just really got me worked up.
2: And that's really what the PPC is running on. They're running on anti-lockdowns, anti-mask mandates. That's really their platform. Because and that's how why they are at in some polls seven eight percent in the polls it's the it's the seven eight percent who say I don't want to get vaccinated or I don't want a vaccine passport or I don't want to have to lock down even if cases rise that's their support base and that's the wedge issue that they are capitalizing on and which for them I mean it it it's a it's an area for them that makes sense if it that gets votes
1: I suppose but yeah I'm, I'm definitely not a fan. I don't know what you think might happen here well whenever this people hear this if they hear it live in this last week before the election what haven't you heard maybe from anybody that you're that you were hoping to hear disability related or not like again as I say we all want Canada to do well we all care about worry about the environment and people with disabilities are adversely affected when you know natural disasters come along, and different things, so the environment's important it's It's important for the the future we're going to leave everybody and that's what I've started to worry about in my as i've been older, but I don't know what you think about sort of the aid the generational whether you think that there are divides or you think politically people are people or I don't know what you think about that from your sort of perspective as a nineteen year old
2: in general, I would say there's Definitely a generational divide, I think, in terms of where people fall on the spectrum. You don't see a lot of older folks who are huge leftists. You don't see a lot of, well, you do see a fair amount of young people actually who are quite far to the right, but Mm -hmm. it's not as common as it is for older people, I find. I'd say generationally, we're moving into a society where we are pushing more to the left. I mean, if you've looked at anything, Aaron O'Toole said he's had to move his party to the left to stay, uh, to stay. I don't know where the polls will be when this is aired, but to stay tied with the liberals for the lead. So I think it, we're seeing a push now as more younger voters come of age to the left, which I personally like, but I know that's not everyone's view. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. it's, I do think it's different just with social media and with now everything being news being so readily available i think that that will change and i think that it does it is showing that more and more people are voting i think and i don't know i haven't actually followed i don't have the stats or anything in front of me about what the percentage of voting was um, in the past compared to now but i do feel like there is a little bit more interest as far as voting and i think it's because these issues are people are becoming more aware just through the media and the way things are uh, spread so quickly now that I do think it is a good thing, even though it is also can be frustrating and a lot of unnecessary arguing on Facebook that isn't really changing anyone's mind is just causing a a whole bit of conflict that could have been avoided.
2: Yeah. And I think I think the voter turnout this election just because I think a lot of it will have to do with Elections Canada cancelling the uh, vote on campus program for this election. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to see a huge decrease in voter turnout this election, actually. Compared to the past two, because of course, in 2015, uh, Justin Trudeau came in on probably one of the most progressive platforms ever in not only liberal history, but maybe Canadian history. And it got all the youth out. And in 2019, to a lesser extent, but still a lot of the younger vote was with the liberals. Some of it moved to the NDP, but people were still voting. And now I'm not feeling the same level of engagement this election. I'm really not.
0: And that was kind of the question I was originally maybe even going to start off with and just to get your quick opinion on that. But do you agree that this was this was a good idea to have an election right now? What are your thoughts on Justin Trudeau deciding to have a have a federal election in the middle of a of a pandemic uh, health crisis?
2: Uh, I think this would probably be a better time than a few months down the road when we're in a fourth wave how minority governments typically work is they last 18 months to two years. A minority has never gone the full mandate. It would be quite unprecedented if it did. So I think to have it now while we're moving into a fourth wave or in some parts of the country, we're not there yet. I and think others, technically we are in a fourth
0: wave, but yeah, it's so confusing because it's yeah, such a like big te- te- technically
2: we are here in Ontario, but like, regionally breaking it down it depends on where you are case levels are different in alberta it's a disaster For right sure. now and then out they east, just opened everything up more. yeah so out east they've they've done relatively well overall just because of the atlantic bubble but i think this is probably better than in the middle of the winter or next spring when we will well, definitely Didn't he say
1: that he wants? He's doing it because he thinks Canadians deserve to have a say. Now I know many people won't buy that. Do you believe that? Do you feel that yourself? I, you know, I
2: do feel that. I think we elected the government in 2019 before any of this had happened. Mm -hmm. We didn't give them a mandate to deal with a public health crisis. So now I think it is actually quite important that we go to the polls many provinces have done it. And we, we give a mandate based on their performance and how they're going to get us out of this thing.
0: I really like that answer. And I think that it opens my mind up a little bit because I, when I did hear about this election, I was just like, this is not the time there's this pandemic and health crisis. There's so much on everyone's minds right now. Now we're going to have to focus on an election. And I just, I didn't think it was a good idea. Um, But at the same point. I don't know if I would ever think it's a good just because politically I am. I always think yeah. I dread when I hear oh there's an election coming up. So I think you do make a really good point that that we are in the midst of a pandemic. And I'm not still sure if I totally agree in the sense that I think there is more important things right now. But at the same point, we do in a way do deserve a say with all of this stuff and the fact that yeah this wasn't a thing at all on the at the last election. So you know it in that and that way it does make sense. And a few months down the road, you know I'm I'm sorry and I. I do try to stay optimistic, but I just sometimes I feel like people are acting like the pandemic's over and this and that, whereas I feel like we still have quite a bit to go. And it's not who knows where we're going to be in a few months. I don't think anyone has. a And
2: I mean, unless you're a political nerd like me, most Canadians, I don't think ever think there's a good time for an election. I would be happy if there was an election every year. I I could totally do the perpetual campaign mode that is done in the US and I would be fine. But I am a wow. huge minority in that. I, I love campaigning. I love engaging on different policy issues. It's, it's my passion. So I would be completely fine if we were just always having elections. But I know that's not the majority view and I understand it. So, yeah, I don't know if there's ever a quote unquote good time for most people for an election. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yes I love I love that answer it's so like you say the majority of people and yeah pretty much most people that I've asked aside from maybe one person that I can think of off the top of my head here um kind of seem to not think it was a good time so I love getting that other perspective and I just think that's 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 really uh really good so for anyone who's just tuning in we're talking here if you haven't noticed I'm sure you have primarily about the federal election politics in general accessibility for the blind and all all disabilities to be able to vote effectively and uh yeah, we're coming down. We have, I guess, we have just under five minutes left. So, Carrie, I don't know what else haven't we covered. Of course, there's tons of things we could we could cover here.
1: Well, uh, let's do a bit of a prediction. Then this will air after the debate. So, last night was the French one. Tonight is the English.
0: Right. Tonight that we're recording this is is the ninth yeah. of September. So, yeah, tonight this this big debate, and I think it, they said it's the only it's the final one here, and actually they mentioned too that in the past these debates haven't really had as much of a, a a point as far as the changing people's minds and stuff, whereas this one's a little more important than some. And I just, I'd only really remember hearing about debates from the U S which again shows that how out of politics I am, but I also just, I am actually quite excited to hear this debate specifically tonight. I didn't really catch enough of the French one. I know there was some translation. I heard some clips on CBC this morning that were transcribed, but, um, in English, but, uh, yeah, so I, I am looking forward to tonight's and, uh,
1: I think I think that debates. I don't like it because I I'm not good when I see other people performing because I'm always afraid when the, that they're going to mess up and that they're going to feel embarrassed and I don't want that no matter who they are. So watching a bunch of people debate and someone's going to come out on top and someone's not. I just I, it makes me anxious. I, I don't I do, like to watch it. I but, do struggle oh well. with the,
0: and I know it comes with the territory to some degree, but I just it's so frustrating when there's constantly like oh, Trudeau is terrible this and that where it's just this. Constant bullying of another party instead of saying what you're going to do in your party. And I know that's always going to happen to a degree for comparing and and to prove a point. But I just I sometimes feel like it's just all about that. And I just I can't handle it anymore when it comes to that.
2: Yeah. And I I getting back to I know you wanted a prediction
1: on how this election was going to go. Yeah, I sort of derailed Um, the question mm
0: -hmm. there a little bit, but.
1: Or, or what you think, the, how do you think the debate will go, even though this airs after, uh, mm-hmm. if you have anything you're looking for them to say, or do we think the, the word disability will be mentioned, like we say? It's oh, no, not, not a chance. Not, not when not there's this many federal.
0: issues right now in a federal, I wouldn't no. think so either.
1: Oh, gosh, no. But even the though French that, debate, I, there's so many Canadians with disabilities and we're all affected and I just, I don't know, I think it should get mentioned more, but.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I don't think the French debate is going to end up having a huge effect on it. It was. Yeah. The parties relatively stick to talking points. I felt Trudeau outperform most of them uh, last night. He, he just seemed to be most on point with getting the party's policy out, not doing too much attacking, but uh, when he went, um, when him and uh, Yves-François Blanchette, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, kind of went at it about, who represents Quebecers? That was the most interesting part of it for me. But tonight, I think... No, the word disability will not be mentioned, unfortunately, just because it's not, it has not been an issue that has been, that has been brought up on
1: the campaign trail. Great. Well, vote. Everybody vote. Yes, please. Yes. No matter who you vote for, get out and do it. I know we're fatigued and everything. I know we're fatigued, but.
0: That is the Outlook request. Go vote. Absolutely. No question. Please, if you're listening to the show do it. Um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll touch base here uh, in a couple weeks on this show and, and let you know uh, how things go. And it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. So.
1: And thanks for talking with us about this stuff. Just... Oh, no problem. I could do this all day. I-, I love this.
0: I know there's so many issues. And of course we didn't get to any indigenous rights and something. I feel very strongly like there's just, it's so much. It's the same I mean.
1: with the, en- the same with the environment. I, I, yeah, a lot of these things we're not hearing mentioned because it's jockeying for a position, I guess. But but we would love to have you back and talk about th- more of this in the future and we'd like to follow you and see where you go with your for sure. plans because I think it'll be great for you and for Canada.
2: I'd be happy to come back and do it again.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. Send us an email, Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.